Hello and welcome Success Grid Nation to this new episode of the Success Grid Podcast with your host Hussain Talib. This is episode number 73 with Lian Lakaba. Lian is the CEO and co-founder of 2XU, a remote executive assistant service company. Hope you find this episode insightful. And don't forget to go to successgrid.net forward slash podcast to leave me your voice messages and to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And it is much appreciated to leave me an honest review on iTunes so the podcast can reach more people. Thank you and enjoy this one. Welcome to Success Grid, the place for sharing entrepreneurial stories, knowledge, and wisdom to educate and inspire you to always strive to raise your standards in your business and your life. With your host, Hussein Talib. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Success Grid podcast. I have a special guest today, Lian Lai Lakaba, is the CEO and co-founder of 2XU, a remote executive assistance service company that specializes in working with creative entrepreneurs in packaging in that chaotic entrepreneurial genius with a highly trained executive assistant. Lian, how are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Awesome. Thank you for being here. So uh, let me first start by your story because uh, I know that you've been working at a young age and you are basically now a CEO at a very young age. So tell us a little about you and how did you reach this level kind of? Yeah, so um, I started working online as a freelance writer when I was 15 years old. It was something that I kind of did for fun, kind of did so I could buy books online. Um, That was my goal. And then um, at 18 years old, I finally went full time um, with a company. And then that's kind of where a lot of the the journey started. The company that I joined, it was a a U.S. company. I was a book editor. And then I got started getting exposed with a lot of self-development books, courses, and to the point where my boss at that time, he said like, hey, we're, we're opening up other companies. We need someone to run the publishing company. And I just raised my hand like, I, I want to do it. Uh, and that's kind of how yeah, a lot of my company. Yeah. I, at that time, I was already manager, so I was part part of the conversation already. Um, of uh, because basically the other managers at that time they were going to start the other companies that he wanted to do, and he they needed someone to take care of the publishing company when they did that. Um, so a lot of uh, my entrepreneur journey kind of started there of being trained to be CEO of someone else's company, um, and then it got to that point where I was already have giving someone else the the, the same uh, mentorship and the um, tutoring basically that that was given to me and someone else took over the publishing company so it's like okay what's next so I wanted to start my own business I wanted to do I wanted to see how a business is started from scratch uh, and that's what I did with 2xu I partnered with that same boss is now my co-founder um he's mostly stepped away at this point but I wanted to see how to grow and um yeah I started Ending up starting up uh, 2XU at 23, and now I'm almost 26. So it's been a very interesting journey so far. Cool, cool. Very cool at the young age at this space. So basically, now with 2XU, you do uh, help entrepreneurs and businesses like hire virtual assistants, right? This is mm-hmm. the core uh, main thing for it. So now, usually, people who have companies. Would, would like to sometimes hire, I don't know, maybe some people they know. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah. so, so how how do you basically help entrepreneurs or business owners to to hire a virtual assistant? So our service is very specific to um, you're not just hiring a virtual assistant, you're hiring an executive assistant or your second in command. Um, that's kind of the way that our service works. It's uh, where we hiring, managing and growing executive assistants to kind of become uh, like head of operations or general manager in someone else's business. So a lot of what we do is we bring a lot of value to both the executive assistant and the client. We do like coaching with the assistant. We make sure that they have um, all, we basically have them go through a little bit of a business school to give them the basics of like, okay, this is how we can help run this person's company. And at the same time, we give uh, consulting with our clients to say, okay, this is how you can get the most of your out of your assistant at the same time. So we really work both ways of it's not just we're giving you an assistant, we're giving you an assistant plus all of these other benefits to make sure that this relationship can work. Yeah, exactly. Because if, for example, I wanted something to get done like now, I might, for example, hire someone who's freelancing, mm-hmm. a freelancer. So do, do business owners or entrepreneurs know exactly that they want this executive assistant and not just a freelancer? Because a freelancer might be for a job, but an executive assistant would be mainly a part of the company, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, usually, that's the main thing that we want to make sure that's clear is this is someone who's full-time. This is someone who working 40 hours a week for you, who is training themselves and growing themselves while uh, you're working with them. So uh, from your experience and working with people, uh, this is basically outsourcing, right? Because I am here in Jordan. Mm-hmm. I might be talking to someone or want to hire someone from uh, the US or Philippines or whatever mm-hmm. or India. So yep. why when, when, can you tell us the reasons why that happens? Is it, for example, cheaper rates and uh, the mistakes that you see happening in that also? So the main reason that outsourcing works is it, it basically, especially in the pandemic where you can't go into an office anyway, um, it has that sense of freedom that you're working from home or from a coffee shop or anywhere else. And your assistant is not in the same city as you, as you might, they might be in a whole other country. And the biggest appeal, it started as the biggest appeal being that it was cheaper than, than hiring someone locally, but it's evolved a lot to, um, having the, the, basically the cultural differences kind of help a little bit of making sure that the relationship works you rather than having someone who is kind of who thinks like you you have someone who <laughs> might think a little bit differently and because of that um, it helps a lot so the common mistakes that I see when it comes to outsourcing the main one is expecting that their assistant is going to be able to do everything but from bookkeeping to programming that just doesn't happen um, what I always advise is just choose three main tasks that you want your assistant to do. Um, and then they, they'll start growing and taking over other, other tasks anyway. Um, the second mistake that I see a lot is not then creating systems, basically, where things can be repeatable even without the assistant. Like a lot of uh, a kind of inside joke that we have in our company is a lot of our clients say, I can't live without you. But the reality is because we create, we help them create the documentation, the systems, they can technically live without the assistant. It's kind of just back to manual work Um, and the last one uh, last common mistake that I see a lot is not investing back in into people like the biggest uh, reason why 
we're so successful is because we have them read books like How to Influence and Influence People, books like E-Myth, books like um, Mindset that changes the way that they think. So then they know that this is just more beyond the, another job that you're getting. Yeah. The, the, the last point that you mentioned, I don't know, because they assume now, because the entrepreneur or the business owner assumes that I am hiring a virtual. So that basically mm-hmm. means that the rates or the salaries are lower than from where uh, if I would hire someone from my country. So do, mm-hmm. is there a big gap in, let's say, salaries or rates? There is, and it's mostly, um, it's not what people think. It's basically just the economy. Like someone in the U.S. who is earning like $3,000 um, is considered like you keep, you barely can, can keep up. Someone in the Philippines who's earning $3,000, which is 150,000 pesos, um, has a really good life already. Um, like already probably has, has a house, has a car, just because like here compared to um, like prices, like here you can buy a house for uh, about, 10,000 US dollars, um, you can already buy a house or a condo, um, depending on where you're at. So mm-hmm. the differences in just the economy here is just huge that you can, you know, provide a really good life for someone who is in the Philippines, mm-hmm. um, paying probably the same amount of like what would be your know, minimum wage in the US. Now, if I would want to hire someone online, what are the things that I should be looking out for? Should I keep searching for better uh, for companies and seeing that someone fits, or what? What? What is it that I should be looking for? For example, if I, I want would like to hire someone, like for example, doing my social media. So, if you are thinking of just hiring someone, just a freelance person, um, then the main things you want to look out for is one: you want to make sure that you filter them. So, a lot of people will say like, "Oh, I have you know so and so experience in social media management," but you actually want to put that into a test. So, we call that like a skills test. So, we ask them like, "Hey, can you make just a one week phrase?" For example, on social media manager, one week plan, uh, what it will what it would look like to work with you. So they'll create like, oh, you know, Monday, you know, Monday is going to be motivation Monday, Tuesday is blah, blah, blah. So they're, they you can see if they're actually capable of what it is that they say that they can do. The second one is making sure that you give time for the relationship to develop. Like a lot of people rush into like, oh, this ha- they have to be perfect from day one. Um, but in the long run, that, that hurts both you and the employee because they have all of these things that they have to start learning about you and figuring out with your business. And when you start rushing like that, when you rush of, of um, I want to get everything done, uh, you're not giving that time gap of making sure that they can catch up to where you're at. And uh, the last hiring mistake that you can um, skip, basically, is then um, also putting in time for the interview. Like a lot of people tend to like, oh, the, their, their resume looks good. Their application looks good. Their skill test looks good. I'll just skip and, and not even interview them. But you need to have that uh, one-on-one time to make sure that the personality is also a fit. Because you might be hiring someone who lies all the time but you didn't know because you just you know looked at the resume well, that cv doesn't yeah. tell that yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, give uh, give time for that for like one-on-one like video call uh before even hiring that person what steps do you go through and how much time for example it takes uh someone from putting their profile on your website let's say for example and until you basically kind of approve approve him right because you have a process mm-hmm. because if he doesn't if someone says that i am good on sales and marketing or social media 
and don't do the skill test very well, I assume that they won't be there on the website to be hired. So what's exactly the process that you go through with that? And uh, do you see a lot of people getting basically rejected, being not mm-hmm. being on your platform? So the way that our own hiring process works, um, just kind of expanding on the skill set is the first thing is we we screen their their um, resumes. Like if it if we basically outline like what are the the first you know three again three tasks that the uh, a client really wants to get done or the three skills that they really need, and then we screen their their um, resumes. After that, that's kind of the first like filter. Like okay. Clean out. These are the people that we're rejecting. These are the people who who then get to the next level. Um, after that, we actually do um, what we call just a. Um, it's, it's kind of like a, a. We call just handshake call. Basically, it's kind of like a screening where we call them up. We kind of learn more about them. Like, hey, do you have experience in this? Experience in that? Would you be okay being up at like seven a.m. because the client needs you to be up at seven a.m. So it's kind of like the first other filtering now based on the personality side. After that, then we send them the actual skills test where they go. We basically build custom skills tests for every client that we have to make sure that it matches who they need, and then um, once that's once they pass, like okay, I, I look a little bit over it and I'm like, oh, this person seems really good. Let's move on to the, the the initial interview. So the initial interview is with me or another coach inside of the company um, who basically knows what to find a uh, look out for knows like okay if they say this that's a red flag if they said this that's a red flag um or if they said if they you know say this or when when uh, the biggest one if when they ask for feedback that's a person you should like um take notice of if they're asking for feedback mm-hmm. so um after that we ask the client to review does the final interview and we, even after that on the onboarding phase, I'm still filtering. I'm still seeing if they can be true to what they say, if, you know, what time they come into meetings um, to really make sure that they're the right person for our client. So it's a lot of filters, but in the end, like, We've we've so far out of the uh, out of the last two years that we've we've had two XU, we've only really had two mismatches of um, client and assistant, and it's mostly because of of uh, outside reasons that we we couldn't make the relationship work. But other than that, it's because of the so many filters that we put in to make sure that the the assistant that we hire is actually the right one. Oh, cool. Competition. How is the competition between your company and other companies similar to you? How do you read that? So for us, and I've, I've, I've uh, as a marketer myself, I've researched the heck out of our, our competitors <laughs> um, <laughs> because that's that's the thing you, you you do. You have to make sure that um, okay, how do how do you want to stand out? Um, so far, it's it's been not bad. Like I I I have I've built so much of an abundance mindset that if if a client ends up working with another like assistant company, executive assistant company. We're okay with it. Like I've even referred clients who doesn't seem to be a match for what we need to other um, executive assistant or VA companies, just because I know that if they're a match, if they'll work out, they'll work out. Um, we don't have to keep chasing um, because we are we're literally helping people. Um, the other the other term that I use for our, our assistants is you become their second brain. We're literally helping people develop to become their second brain, where the, the assistants talk as in the, as if they're you know when they're emailing back and forth with uh with their clients clients it seems like oh no you're talking to him don't worry no it's not the assistant um or commenting on linkedin as them so um that's kind of the the magic there like we can only make it work for people who want to make it work so um on competition wise we're good just because like i i have that mindset of like no they want to if if it's not going to work out it's not going to work out we're not going to force it 
in this type of business uh, what exactly the business model how do you yourself make the money is it from the assistant or from the employer how, how does that work or do you kind of get some kind mm-hmm. of percentages So the way that our service works, because it is kind of just a full service, it's not just, again, hiring and handing you um, a VA. It's also managing and growing them. So the way that we've we've kind of mapped it out is we kind of have, at least at, at, least at this point, it might change in a few years or a few months maybe even, um, we have like a cap of, of um, how much we can pay the assistant to the point where we're break even. So because we have like courses, we buy them books, we get them software that they need um, to be able to get started with the, the client, we've kind of figured out what, we have just a flat fee that we, we offer to our clients. And then um, the clients pay that every month and we take care of like the payroll, their HMO, like their health insurance and everything else that we have to do to take care of, take care of them as a Filipino employee. So now, especially with COVID and this year, 18 months, uh, have you seen exponential growth in hiring the uh, assistant virtually or executive assistant virtually uh, how did you see the growth coming this year last, last year or uh, 18 months compared to um, the previous mm-hmm. year for example basically just compared to when we started there's just been a lot of people who, who made the switch um at least four or three of our clients last year um that we've gotten um, their assistants basically just had like left, like had to take care of everything else within within um, you know being work from home. They couldn't make it. They couldn't uh, make it work. Um, that's one of the reasons why they were looking for other ways that they could have an assistant for themselves. So it's grown a lot, especially like this year that people are kind of settled in. Like okay, has to be work from home, has to be remote. You know, like it doesn't. You know, we can find other ways where um, the assistant can work with us. So it's it's grown really well and. Uh, um, it's been been very fun to see finally what I was looking for when, when I started to exceed, which is how does a business actually grow? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, now, I see that most these kind of uh, businesses that you have are from East Asia. Do you see some companies start, in the, for example, in the US or UK in these places and provide the same kind of services? Or like we mentioned earlier, because of the difference in economies, it all mostly comes from East Asia and uh, India, Philippines, your home, and uh, these kind of places. It's surprising. So again, stocking and uh, you know looking at a competition. Um, it's been interesting to see that both work. Like I've seen so many really good um, assistant companies in the U.S. and I've mm-hmm. seen really good companies here locally, and also I've seen a lot from different different parts of the world. So it really depends on what an entrepreneur needs. Like sometimes they really need someone who has uh, the mindset of an American, so they'll they'll hire a fellow American. If they need someone who works while they sleep, they're probably hiring from the Philippines because then while it's like 8 a.m., uh, 8 p.m. their time is 8 a.m. here. Um, so then their assistant can work while they sleep. So really a need, um, depending on what they need, what's their, what does their business need? It's really um, a very anywhere in the world type of uh, business. From, from your experience now, you, you are at a very young age now, basically a CEO. What would you say if someone asks you that they want to start something like a business online or even offline? From your experience, what would you uh, advise them or recommend them to do first? I guess the, the, the main thing that I would advise for someone who's starting all over again 
would be to get a mentor. That that's been kind of the fastest way that I would I was able to grow is since I partnered up with my old boss to so he could be who he could consult me for free basically while while I was still growing my business because because of that, because of having someone that you can bounce ideas off of who has more experience than you, um, who also can give you like the, the perspective and the mindset of like, hey, you could be doing this more. Or you should you should probably slow down on doing that. That has been kind of just the biggest way that I've been able to grow myself is just having someone who can give me direct feedback of what to do and what not to do. Mm-hmm, cool. So you mentioned earlier uh, books, you talked about the E-Myth and how to influence mm-hmm. people influence people the name of the book so what 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 books would you recommend or what you what you personally read what kind of books are favorite to you emeth is definitely the, if if you want to be an entrepreneur emeth definitely is a really good book to read because it gives you uh, when I read Emeth, that was when I was still being trained to be CEO, and that changed my mindset on like systems, changed my mindset on um, the value of people uh, and the different levels people are in. The second book that I would recommend is the book called One Minute Manager by Ken Blanchard. Mm-hmm. It is such a good book when it comes to managing people. I have recommended that book to literally anyone who says like, hey, I'm having my, a problem with my employee. Like here, read this book. Um, and usually, like the next week when I when I see them after they read the book, like, my my assistant is amazing or my employee is amazing. And it's just because they read that book on how basically it's a book on how to give like really good feedback so people can follow it. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably the third book that I would recommend. Um, so it's just. I just read a lot. Um, I, I read a, an average of like 50 to 60 books a year. Oh, um, cool. <laughs> yeah. It's actually probably um, how to influence and influence people. Like it, it teaches you how to deal with different types of people. It teaches you how to, you know, it, it's the concepts are so simple of like, you know, remember people's name or smile, but you get so much value out of knowing, you know, why should I do this and not that? Why should... Um, not criticizing actually help move things forward in a business. It's um it's an old it's an oldie but goodie kind of book. Yeah, cool, cool books actually. But the problem is I never read any one of them. <laughs> I don't know why, but uh, <laughs> especially the emeth. I I know that, but I I I sometimes go to the bookstore and see it, but I never got it. But I should get it at least that one. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. Um, but uh, what you're doing is very special because mostly people who are in this kind of business. You, you, for example, provide the support, the coaching, you give resources. So that's great. I don't think that many companies like you do that. Yeah, you, you are kind of unique in your approach, right? They, they just have, like, for example, the profiles uh, for both employee and employer, and you can just choose and pick and like kind of, uh, I guess, maybe maybe similar to, to Upwork. So what you're doing is mm-hmm. cool, actually, yeah. So, Thank so you. what? Yeah, what would you say? One takeaway for uh, uh, entrepreneurs or business owners who are looking to hire. Hire before you're ready, and and that's an that's an advice that I've given so many times because people were like, "Should I hire now? Should I should I not hire?" But the the indication that you're ready to hire is once you have that point where you have a way to make money. Um, every month, like there's a recurring revenue already in your business, and you want to hire before you're you feel like you're ready because it'll teach you so much about 
all the things you hold on to in your business, like we try like, oh, only I can do this in, in my business. Only I can do that part. But in reality, to free yourself up to really be an entrepreneur um, in in uh, the book, uh, E-Myth, it actually teaches like the difference between a, solar, um, a self-employed person and a business owner. And the main difference between the two is a business owner owns systems, a um, self uh, self-employed person mm. is paid by the hour. So the, if you want to get to the point where you own systems, you need to have the right people with you to help build those systems with you. Mm-hmm. Good. Awesome. Well, can, where can people get in touch with you, Leah? So the fastest way to in, get in touch with me is just with my email. It's just uh, lean at 2xu.com, L-E-A-N at 2xyou.com, or just by checking out our website, 2xu.com. Well, thank you, Leanne, for being here today with me on the Success Secret uh, podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Success Grid. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you found value in the show, rate and leave a review on iTunes. For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.